Here's a look back to Dr. Mel Hauser's interview in episodes 99 to 103. So I can't tell you how often it is that someone comes in with 40 diagnoses and they feel so broken because clearly I must be broken if there's 40 things wrong with me. And I say, oh, no, you don't have 40 things wrong with you. You have one thing. It's called all the things. Oh, and by the way, let's talk about your brain. That's how those conversations tend to go. What gave me the sense of urgency is that shortly after I got my autism diagnosis, I learned a statistic that the average life expectancy for an autistic person is 36 to 54 years of age. I was 37, not dying from autism, dying from premature cardiovascular disease and suicide. Wow. So to me, that's so messed up. That's so messed up that like the healthcare system doesn't even, I don't think people even know that. Even doctors who take care of autistic people don't know that. And now on to this week's episode. Today, we continue the conversation around sleep and fibromyalgia by looking into sleep apnea, another common medical condition in those with fibromyalgia. For those of you meeting me for the first time, I am Dr. Michael Lenz, a pediatrician, an internist and lifestyle medicine physician. I also am author of the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia. I have been a doctor for over 26 years. I aim to blend the best of lifestyle medicine and medical management using an evidence-based approach. Fibromyalgia is complex and for too long has been ignored as a real problem, deserving of honest answers and practical solutions for people struggling with pain, exhaustive fatigue, and debilitating brain fog. Today, we will be taking a deep dive into sleep apnea and fibromyalgia. While fibromyalgia is more commonly identified in women, with a ratio of about 9 to 1 in the past, based on old criteria, but now is closer to probably a 6 to 4 ratio of women to men. Sleep apnea, however, has been more likely to be recognized in men than in women. There are many reasons for this. Men are likelier to have the classic apnea symptoms such as snoring, witness apnea, and daytime sleepiness. Women are more likely to have less obvious symptoms like morning headaches, fatigue, insomnia, and exhaustion. These symptoms are more easily recognized as depression and fibromyalgia. As we heard in last week's episode, sleep problems precede the development of fibromyalgia. Last week, we heard how those with fibromyalgia often have disrupted sleep due to different brain processing demonstrated by alpha waves with delta wave disruption during the non-rapid eye movement sleep. These sleep apnea symptoms of fatigue, insomnia, cognitive disorders, and morning headaches in female patients with fibromyalgia overlap, indicating a common pathophysiology. Does the diagnosis of fibromyalgia in female patients make us overlook the diagnosis of sleep apnea? A study with the link in the show notes looked at how common sleep apnea was in women with fibromyalgia. It also looked at the intensity 
of impact sleep apnea severity had on fibromyalgia symptoms. Sleep apnea was detected in 66% of the participants. Of the nine with moderate sleep apnea, six underwent a CPAP titration study following the sleep study, along with all eight patients with severe obstructive sleep apnea. CPAP stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. And if you're not familiar, a mask is applied to the face or nose, giving a steady pressure so that the back of the throat doesn't collapse. The sleep laboratory made an appointment for a CPAP titration study for three patients with moderate sleep apnea. Additionally, seven patients who used the CPAP device for at least one month significantly improved their pain and fibromyalgia symptom scores after treatment compared to the pre-treatment scores. The fibromyalgia impact scores are a useful tool to help assess the impact of interventions like treating sleep apnea. The results of the study are consistent with those of a study that reported a significant improvement in fibromyalgia symptoms following a three-week course of CPAP therapy in 14 patients with sleep apnea and fibromyalgia. A separate study showed that 50% of the women with obstructive sleep apnea or upper airway resistance syndrome had chronic pain and more than 11 tender points. The prevalence is about 10 times the average population. This observation strongly supports screening for sleep apnea in those with fibromyalgia. The prevalence increases as you get older, have a higher body mass index, and have gone through menopause in women. Have you been screened for sleep apnea? Do you have any of these sleep apnea symptoms but haven't had a sleep study? So what is obstructive sleep apnea? Well, obstructive sleep apnea is a public health problem, and it is associated with impairment in the quality of life. According to the literature, sleep-disordered breathing is defined as obstructive breathing episodes occurring exclusively during sleep. It is related to the relaxation of the pharynx, which is the anatomic back of your throat, and the consequent increase in upper airway resistance or reduced airflow. The muscles that support your pharynx have both involuntary and voluntary muscle control. For example, we can initiate swallowing, but the automatic rhythmic movement of food to our esophagus prevents us from aspirating foods into our lungs. It is an incredible coordination of muscles we take for granted until it stops working well. Voluntary control is important because when we are sleeping, our voluntary muscles relax throughout our bodies, or ideally our to relax, as we heard on last week's episode talking about restless leg syndrome and periodic limb movement disorders, they don't always relax, and that can lead to lots of problems. The relaxation of our throat muscles, anatomical variation, crowding from weight gain, and general laxity of tissues can cause the pharyngeal area in the back of our throat to narrow. The degree of pharyngeal occlusion or narrowing varies. If there is a reduced airway, airflow can be restricted enough to cause snoring, which is also known as audible breathing. What is worrisome is when the airflow is greatly limited 
to the point where the intake of oxygen and the release of carbon dioxide is compromised. The reduced airflow can lead to major consequences, including increased upper airway resistance, causing the individual who are going through this to awaken. There also can be hypnea, which means minimal airflow well below your body's needs to function optimally. Complete collapse of the pharynx causes apnea, where no airflow occurs and oxygen levels drop even more. This causes an increase in arousals, also known as awakenings or sleep disruptions, where sleep is broken, but is usually something that those who are going through it are unaware of. This can be measured by in-house sleep studies where brain waves are measured. These arousals fragment sleep and result in non-restorative sleep, excessive daytime sleepiness, fatigue, decreased libido, headaches, and body pain, as well as mood disorders such as anxiety, lack of concentration, irritability, apathy, and symptoms of depression. A quick screening tool known as the STOP-BANG questionnaire. The STOP-BANG questionnaire is an acronym that stands for snoring history, tired during the day, Observe stoppage of breathing while asleep, high blood pressure, a body mass index greater than 35, age more than 50 years, and a neck circumference more than 40 centimeters, as well as the male sex. If your partner witnesses you having apnea while sleeping, that in itself should prompt an evaluation for sleep apnea. The tricky part is that your sleep apnea could be missed if you don't have a partner or if your partner is such a deep sleeper they have yet to report sleep apnea to you. They may have informed you that you snore. However, sometimes the apnea can sound like choking or gasping for air after the adrenaline release prompting arousal and movement. This repeated adrenaline release puts the sympathetic nervous system into action throughout the night. Two nervous systems control our automatic functions in the body. One is the sympathetic, and the other is the parasympathetic system. An easy way to remember the differences, easy way to remember the differences is to think of a parachute where you are gently floating and relaxing. This system should be active while sleeping to get the needed recovery that your body needs. Unfortunately, the sympathetic system gets activated in sleep apnea throughout the night. This can cause an increase in potentially deadly consequences such as fatal heart rhythms or even a heart attack or stroke, let alone feeling exhausted the next day. It also can lead to fatal consequences during the day, including driving impairment equal to and surpassing driving while intoxicated. If you don't have sleep apnea, but your partner does, this can also cause significant sleep disruptions, especially if you have a more vigilant fibromyalgia-type nervous system. You are more likely to be a light sleeper, sensitive to noises, and less likely to be able to get into the deep sleep that is needed, leading to fragmented 
sleep. We talked about this last week with fibromyalgia symptoms being turned on by playing noises during sleep lab experiments to people who didn't have fibromyalgia. In that study, they were able to turn on fibromyalgia symptoms within three nights, and then when the loud noise was turned off, the sleep apnea symptoms resolved. Because sleep apnea in your partner that's untreated can waken you up and cause problems, it is strongly encouraged that your partner get treated. But until then, you need to consider moving to a different room if possible while you sleep or, as one of my patients whose wife snored loudly, cured his migraines by wearing earplugs at night, allowing him to get deep sleep. The good news is that sleep apnea is very treatable. Sleep apnea can be effectively treated with a CPAP machine. As I said earlier, CPAP stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. This pressure prevents the throat from collapsing and with proper coaching works in about 90% of patients. Other options include a mandibular oral device that moves the lower jaw forward and the back of the tongue out of the way. Another option is the hypoglossal nerve stimulation involving an implanted medical device created by Inspire Medical Systems. It treats Patients with obstructive sleep apnea by stimulating the hypoglossal nerve in a rhythm synchronized with the patient's breathing. This stimulation helps keep the patient's airway clear during sleep. For those of you who don't know what the hypoglossal nerve is, it is a motor nerve that stimulates several muscles in the tongue. These are involved in movements that make the tongue protrude or push forward and retract or pull back. Patients with obstructive sleep apnea have decreased muscle tone in the genial glossal muscle, one of several muscles stimulated by the hypoglossal nerve. The results in the tongue retracting back into the throat during sleep, obstructing the airway, blocking the flow of the air, and reducing oxygen levels in the body. While continuous positive airway pressure therapy keeps the airway open using continuous air pressure, the hypoglossal nerve stimulation implant sends a gentle pulse synchronized with the patient's breathing. This pulse signals the hypoglossal nerve to move the tongue forward, relieving the airway obstruction and allowing uninterrupted airflow. So if you were observing this while sleeping or somebody had a video on you, every time you would take a breath, the tongue would be stimulated to actually move forward and out of the way as if you're sticking your tongue out at someone while you take a deep breath. You would not be aware of this at all, but it would be observed if somebody had a camera on you or if your spouse was watching you while you were sleeping. Once the device is implanted, the physician will program the settings. The person with the implant is then given a sleep remote, which they can use to turn on the device before bed and turn it off during waking. They can also adjust stimulation with a range determined by their physician. 
it is kind of like a pacemaker for the tongue and not the heart. It is also important to mention the benefit of weight loss in treating sleep apnea. The prevalence of obesity in fibromyalgia patients is about 40%, and of overweight is about 30%. That means that 70% of people who have fibromyalgia are either obese or at least overweight. As discussed earlier, excess weight creates fat deposits in a person's neck called pharyngeal fat. Pharyngeal fat can block a person's upper airway during sleep when the airway is already relaxed. Additionally, increased abdominal girth from excessive fat can compress a person's chest wall, decreasing lung volume. Increased abdominal fat can limit the excursion of the diaphragm. The diaphragm is that muscle separating the abdominal cavity from the chest cavity. And when you take a deep breath, diaphragm pulls down, pulling air into your lungs. The reduced lung capacity with obesity diminishes airflow, making the upper airway more likely to collapse during sleep. Obstructive sleep apnea risk continues to increase with a rising body mass index. Even a 10% weight gain is associated with a six-fold increase in obstructive sleep apnea risk. Looking on the positive side, a 10% weight loss can lower sleep apnea significantly. I've even had patients who lost a significant amount of weight and were able to completely get off CPAP. Losing weight can also significantly reduce many sleep apnea-related symptoms, such as daytime sleepiness, Irritability and other neuropsychiatric dysfunctions markedly improve as well. There is an overall improvement in cardiovascular health, high blood pressure, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, and in particular, quality of life. Many people just report that their life has changed so significantly, especially if they've had this for such a long time. Weight loss of just 10 to 15 percent can reduce the severity of obstructive sleep apnea by 50% in moderately obese patients. Unfortunately, while weight loss can provide meaningful improvements in obstructive sleep apnea, it usually does not lead to a complete cure, and many sleep apnea patients need additional therapies. While excess weight has been known to be a risk factor for obstructive sleep apnea, an increasing amount of evidence suggests that obstructive sleep apnea increases the risk of weight gain. One reason is that sleep deprivation is associated with decreased leptin, an appetite-suppressing hormone. So to say that again is that sleep deprivation is associated with leptin, which is a hormone that is there to suppress your appetite. Also, there is increased release of a hormone called ghrelin, that's G-H-R-E-L-I-N, and that is an appetite-stimulating hormone. So you have increased cravings for calorie-dense foods, and these are significant obstacles to overcome if you have sleep apnea. It becomes a circular pattern. It also appears that 
obstructive sleep apnea patients in particular may be more susceptible to weight gain than people who have the same body mass index and health status but do not suffer from sleep apnea. One study showed that people with sleep apnea had gained around 16 pounds in the year leading up to their sleep apnea diagnosis compared with body mass index matched people without sleep apnea. Sleep apnea can also deplete people of the energy they need to maintain healthy body weight. Evidence suggests excessive sleepiness may lead sleep apnea sufferers to exert less physical activity during waking hours. This may be particularly problematic for obese people who frequently experience shortness of breath and chest discomfort with physical effort, resulting in reduced exercise. Without dietary changes, decreased activity levels can lead to additional weight gain. This reduction in activity is significant for those with fibromyalgia because regular exercise is also needed to reduce fibromyalgia symptoms. These all combine to being caught up in a metaphorical quicksand that seems almost impossible to escape, sometimes leading to despair. If this is you or someone you know, there is hope. At a minimum today, I hope you have learned that getting evaluated for sleep apnea is essential. But for those of you with fibromyalgia, it is even more critical. Treatment of fibromyalgia takes a multifaceted approach. It is very complex with a lot of bi-directional relationships with multiple different factors. And all of these need to be navigated. It can seem unfair to be going through this, but at least you are growing in your understanding, which is a big start. Suppose you have a goal of trying to conquer your fibromyalgia. If you do, you need an excellent scouting report, a thorough understanding and perspective. My goal with the book and the podcast has been to inform you of these challenges so you can be better prepared to tackle them. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. One of the biggest compliments you can do if you have enjoyed the show is to leave a review and a five-star rating. Hit the like or subscribe button and share with others. Next week, we will discuss other continued sleep challenges to your battle with fibromyalgia. Until next week, go Team Fibromyalgia.